my friends. Perhaps, like me, you have been impressed with how Bible heroes and heroines live stable and vital lives, even when life gets difficult and even in the face of death. In today's sermon, we will examine one major source of their vitality and their stability. From the end of this sermon, some of you will begin to see things as they did. It's all a matter of horizons. Today, I want to challenge you to view your life from the perspective of three horizons. Two of these horizons surface in today's parashah. After Yaakov has learned that his son Yosef is alive after all, during his long journey from Canaan to Egypt for the reunion, he has an encounter with God. In a vision at night, God called to him, Yaakov, Yaakov, and he answered, Hineni, here I am. He said, I am God, the God of your father. Don't be afraid to go down to Egypt. It is there that I will make you into a great nation. Not only will I go down with you to Egypt, but I will also bring you back here again after Joseph has closed your eyes, end quote. Here we see that like most of Western society, Yaakov recognized that he had a life before death. This is the first horizon. And some people only live within this horizon, living for this life only. We will have more to say about that later. But this encounter shows us how the patriarchs and matriarchs had a broader view of life than we do. They had an unclear, through a glass, darkly, but real view of a second horizon beyond life as we know it. We could call this horizon life after death. They conceived of their, of their life being on this earth, yes, life before death, but also having some sort of continuity after physical death, as God tells Yaakov, I will bring you back here again after Yosef has closed your eyes. Of course, he's referring to Yaakov's bones, but it's more than that. He is saying that after death, indeed, hundreds of years after Yaakov dies, God will still be dealing in some manner with Yaakov's beingness. Yaakov knows he is to die soon. He's 130 years old, but he has not freaked out because despite the very, very limited information he has available to him, he believes that somehow after his death, life goes on. Yaakov has a two horizon perspective about his life. He knows 
that it is more than simply his lifespan on earth. He has very little information, but he knows that because he is connected to the God of life, there is more. There is a broader horizon beyond the lifespan of our years. As I said, Yaakov had limited information, but God continued to reveal himself and his ways to his descendants. We call this progressive revelation. And with more information, things got clearer. Yaakov dimly sensed a second horizon off in the distance, a life after death. All of this will eventually develop in the Bible into a full-blown doctrine of resurrection, which brings us to our third horizon, life after life after death. Life after life after death. In keeping with his nature and his covenant with his people, the living God must necessarily deliver us from death. He must resurrect us from the grave to demonstrate his strength as a divine warrior who goes forth to conquer even the greatest and last enemy of life, death itself. And he must also keep the promises that Yeshua made. Only by resurrecting his covenant people can God be vindicated as the all-powerful living God. So there you have three horizons. The first horizon is life as we know it. The second horizon is life after death. And the third horizon involving the resurrection of the dead, we might term life after life after death. Here are some ways the three horizon view of life pops up in scripture. <clears throat> Yeshua alludes to the third horizon in his debates with the Pharisees about the resurrection. Sorry, not the Pharisees, the Sadducees. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection, but Yeshua responded saying, as for the dead being raised, haven't you read in the book of Moshe in the passage about the bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Avraham, the God of Yitzchak, and the God of Yaakov. He is the God, not of the dead, but of the living. You are going far astray. That's a good passage. Just a minute, I'm having a technical difficulty. Oh, come on. You are going far astray. God calls himself the God of Avraham, the God of Yitzchak, and the God of, of, uh, of Jacob. But the other living God would not join his name to decaying corpses or to persons now extinct. For Yeshua, that God links his name to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is only possible because in some sense, they are still alive. That is the second horizon. They're alive after death. This is what Yeshua promised the thief on the cross, a promise which absolutely cannot be false. Amen, I tell you, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. 
there is a life after death. This is the second horizon. And with the resurrection, there is an embodied life after life after death, the third horizon. Yeshua speaks of this in today's New Covenant reading. And he said this, just as the father raises the dead and makes them alive, so too the son makes alive anyone he wants. The father does not judge anyone, but he has given all judgment to the son, that all might honor the son, even as they honor the father. So here, this is uh, this, this is uh, so that all I honor the Son, even as we honor the Father. And whoever fails to honor the Son is not honoring the Father who sent him. Yes, indeed, he says. I tell you that whoever hears what I am saying and trusts the one who sent me has eternal life. That is, he will not come up for judgment, but has already crossed over from death to life. Yes, indeed, I tell you that there's coming a time, in fact, it's already here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who listen will come to life. For just as the Father has life in himself, so he's given the Son life to have in himself and also has given him authority to execute judgment because of the Son of Man. He goes on to say, don't be surprised at this because the time is coming when all who are in the grave will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to a resurrection of life those who have done evil to a resurrection of judgment. So here he's speaking of life after death. Yes, we do not, we, we do go to God's heavenly realm when we die. That's life after death. But this is only a temporary holding area because we must cross the third horizon, resurrection, after which we will dwell on a renewed earth in eternally embodied immortality. This resurrected existence is the third horizon. So I hope you get the point. There is a life before death. There is a life after death. And then there's a life after life after death. That's the resurrection life. For all of us now, the question is this, what horizon do you have in view as you live your life? Some people live for this life all alone. They live for the first horizon. Paul insists that this is a losing proposition. He writes to the Corinthians, but if it has been proclaimed that a Messiah has been raised from the dead, how is it that some of you are saying there is no such thing as resurrection from the dead. He said, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then the Messiah has not been raised. And if the Messiah has not been raised, then what we have proclaimed is in vain. Also, your trust is in vain. Furthermore, we're shown up as false witnesses for God for having testified that God raised up the Messiah, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then the Messiah has not been raised either. And if the Messiah has not been raised, then your trust is useless and you are still in your sins. 
Also, if this is the case, those who died in union with the Messiah are lost. And then he says this, if it is only for this life that we have put our hope in the Messiah, we are more pitiable than anyone. That's interesting. He says, if all you have is a one horizon view, but you got the Messiah in this life, but after this life, nothing. He says that we are the most pitiful people on the face of the earth. So it's fallacious living only for the single horizon. Yeshua taught this too, that a person who leads a first horizon life only is a fool. He tells this story. There was a man whose land was very productive. He debated with himself, what should I do? I haven't enough room for all my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and I'll store all my wheat and other goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you're a lucky man. You have a big supply of goods laid out that will last you many years. Start taking it easy, eat, drink, enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this very night you will die. And the things you prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with anyone who stores up wealth for himself without being rich towards God. This is a person who lives only for this life and doesn't recognize a life to follow. It is better to live uh, uh, at least with both the first and second horizons in view. Paul says this to the Philippians. He says, for me, to live is the Messiah. That's the first horizon. My life right now, my life right now before death, for me, to live is the Messiah. Then he says, and death is gain, the second horizon. But if by living on in the body, I can do fruitful work, the first horizon, then I don't know which to choose. I'm caught in a dilemma. My desire is to go off and be with the Messiah. That is better by far. That's the second horizon, life after death. But because of you, the greater need is to stay on in the body. Yes, I am convinced of this. So I know I will stay with you in order to help you progress in faith and have joy in it. But meanwhile, he has the second horizon in mind, which is far better. He says, I'm going to stay with you. It's to greater benefit, but I'm really looking forward to the second horizon, my life after death with the Messiah. Paul also lived with the third horizon in view. He writes about this to the Philippians in the third chapter. He says, he speaks of having given up everything for the sake of knowing the Messiah, Yeshua. He says, yes, I gave it all up in order to know him, that is to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, as I'm being conformed to his death. That is the first horizon in this life. So that somehow I might arrive at being resurrected from the dead. That is the third horizon. He's looking forward to the third horizon. So let's go on. Peter says it this way. He says, uh, 
He says that we're looking forward to a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. He's also looking forward to a third horizon. And we should have a three horizon view of life ourselves, not living simply for this life and not even living for life after death, although that's very much an improvement, looking forward to being with the Messiah after we die. That's good. But even better than that is after that, we can anticipate that at the end of time, there's going to be the general resurrection when the dead Messiah will rise, and we will live in everlasting embodied immortality forever and ever. So I hope I've given you something to think about, to ask yourself, what horizon are you living for? Are you living for this life? Or are you living for this life and the life to follow, the life after death? Or can you stretch your boundaries a bit and think of living first horizon, this life, second horizon, life after death, to be with the Messiah, which is far better. But then beyond that, looking forward to a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's how Second Peter says it. Looking forward to a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. The book of Revelation talks about the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. We don't look forward to a time when we're just all swept up. Actually, the ultimate goal of God is to bring heaven down to earth. That's what the idea of the new Jerusalem coming down. It's going to be the heaven, heavenization of earthly reality. That's the third horizon. So how about you? How about me? I suggest we lift our eyes to a higher horizon. What am I living for? What are you living for? It's a good question. Shabbat Shalom.